0: It is damn worth noting since 2016, like you said earlier, D. Lou, Florida State back into the college football playoff rankings. It's weird now. I have not put on ESPN. I don't know about you guys. I have not put on ESPN to watch the playoff rankings since that time when Florida State was in there. So when I saw Twitter and I saw our Discord blowing up, I was like, oh, my gosh, I guess I got to start watching uh, Tuesday night on ESPN when they release those rankings. It feels kind of good to
1: Hey guys, it's Terrence Mann, you're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. Go Nose! Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. P dub in the house. We're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose!
2: Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go
1: Nose! This is Terrell Fuckley. you're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No Bloody but perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. It's great, it's Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greeting every day, man. That was awesome. Hello,
2: Nose fans. This is former Seminole Derrick Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day.
1: James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on SSOD, Florida State die, and go Nose. William
0: Barnum Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? i Logan Robinson from Peter Spear, presented to you by nolegameday.com. We are live here on a beautiful Wednesday evening. How dark. God, it gets dark at 6 o'clock now. It's one of the worst feelings ever. This time of year absolutely sucks, but we are still during football season, so it could be worse. It is Florida State versus Syracuse. Week Florida State and Mike Norvell are going to travel on the road up to Syracuse. We have a special guest with us tonight to give us some good insight. We've been doing this all throughout the season, and I know a lot of the listeners, everybody watching on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, have been commenting, liking, having these guests on that give us some great insight into opposing teams coming up this weekend. This time, it is Mike McAllister. Mike, excited to have you on to give us some really good uh, info on Adina Baber's team that had a really good swing up and that beginning of the season now a little bit of a downward swing but two six and three teams going at it this weekend on Saturday night
3: yeah first uh thanks for having me on I, I appreciate it but yeah you hit the nail on the head they started out six and oh they were up to 14th in the country and uh, going into that Clemson game there were you know, there, there's a lot of chatter about them how how good are they are they for real and they kind of controlled that Clemson game for most of it uh, went into the fourth quarter with an 11 point lead and you know I think at that point everyone was looking at Syracuse like they were for real and that they were a, a team to be reckoned with and then they blow the fourth quarter against Clemson they kind of get blown out by Notre Dame and then they go play uh one of the worst uh four quarters of offensive football that that you've seen from them at least this season um in a loss at Pittsburgh so definitely on the downswing a little bit. Right now, but um, you know, I think going into the season, this is kind of where Syracuse fans are, right? You start six and oh, expectations skyrocket, you lose three in a row, all of a sudden everyone's ticked off. But yet if you had said you'd be six and three going into the the home finale before the season started, I think everyone would have been pretty happy with that.
1: For sure. And like you said, Syracuse got off to a really good start, struggling here as of late. Some injuries have contributed to those struggles, but I guess in your opinion what have been the biggest factors in that 6 and 0 start and then now in the three game
3: skid. Well, you know, the Clemson Clemson and Notre Dame games I kind of set aside because those teams are supposed to have a lot more talent than a team like Syracuse especially with the way they recruit and um, Notre Dame, especially, it was just a really bad matchup for Syracuse with the three, three, five defense that they play. Their defensive line is generally a little bit on the undersized side, especially in the middle of the defensive line. And we know Notre Dame's offensive line is usually massive as a bunch of future NFL guys on it. And they, they just ran the ball down Syracuse's throat and there wasn't much Syracuse could do from the injury standpoint. You mentioned that's part of part of that as well. They lost starting defensive tackle Terry Lockett for the season. Uh, they've lost one of their starting linebackers, Stephon Thompson, for the season. They were two guys that were they counted on quite a bit to help stop the run, so that certainly has hurt them as well. Um, but then the game against Pittsburgh, that was a situation where they didn't have Garrett Schrader, and I think the whole offense just took a giant step backwards behind their backup quarterback, Carlos Del Rio Wilson. Del Rio Wilson's a former four-star quarterback, went to Florida out of high school, transferred out because mm-hmm. he didn't think he was going to get playing time, came to Syracuse uh, mm-hmm. to try to be the future quarterback there. He's got a lot of talent, but he's he just doesn't have any experience, and, and that kind of was a big issue for Syracuse offensively. They missed Schrader's leadership and his playmaking ability with his legs, and that really hurt them uh, against Pittsburgh. The other issue has been – that they haven't run the ball nearly as well this year as they did last year, which you wouldn't expect when you've got a guy like Sean Tucker and you've had Garrett Schrader for the first eight games of the season. Um, you'd expect that they'd be running the ball really well, and yet it, even though they've been one of the top, you know, two or three teams in the ACC in terms of rushing offense this year, it hasn't looked the same as it did last year when it was, you know, with, with Sean Tucker had just a monster year. Part of that is is due to um, some issues along the offensive line. Part of that is due to Sean Tucker just hasn't quite looked right. We don't know if he's dealing with an injury. Syracuse is usually pretty tight-lipped with that. But also, they lost their lead blocker, Chris Elmore, in the season opener, and – it's hard to replace him. You know, he's, he plays fullback tight end. He's good in pass protection, but he's, he's an outstanding lead blocker and they haven't had him since the first half of the season opener. And I think that's hurt the run game as well. So kind of all of those factors have sort of reared their ugly head in, in these last three games.
0: Yeah. Florida state went through a three game stretch too, where they were hurting a lot with injuries and ended up costing them with losses going just strictly to Schrader. What are, you, what, are, what are your feelings about him and uh, potentially being available this upcoming weekend? Because like you said, that changes a lot of the flow there for that offense. His leadership is huge. Florida State's seen a big jump with leadership too with Jordan Travis and how well that offense runs. So it goes the same way for Schrader on that side of the ball for Dino Babers coming into this game. What are your thoughts? I know that y'all don't really get to go and see the practices. Y'all have the press conferences on Mondays and you know how college football coaches talk. It's either we're going to find out on seven 45 when we're going through warmups or we're just not gonna find out at all until the snap happens. What are your feelings on if we'll see Garrett Schrader out there on Saturday night?
3: We definitely get a lot of coach speak when it comes to to injuries and Mm -hmm. Dino Baber's uh famous term is he just says that, uh, Garrett Schrader has an owie. That's, that's, (laughs) that's how he refers to it. If a guy's not out for the season, he has an owie. That's what Dino says. And that's basically all you get out of it. So, um, you know, I, I kind of have a feeling that he's going to try to gut it out and go this week. Um, we we won't know officially. It'll be one of those game time decision type of situations. But I just kind of have a feeling he's going to try to gut it out, especially after watching the way that, you know, the Pittsburgh game went down and how much they struggled offensively. Um, but he, he's got to be healthy. And he's got to be healthy enough to at least run the football. That was kind of the issue in the Notre Dame game was, he was hurt going into that game. He apparently had hurt himself, I, I think, during practice uh, the week before. And he's usually one of uh, a quarterback that's very mobile and runs the ball quite a bit and quite effectively. Can can turn plays uh, where teams seem to have him ready to to knock him down for a sack, and he can escape pressure and turn that into positive gain and scramble and pick up third and long sit- with with his legs. And yet against Notre Dame, he had one run in the entire first half and then he got taken out because he was too hurt to go the rest of the way. If he's not healthy enough that he can take off and run, even if he's out there, I, I think that puts Syracuse's offense at a significant disadvantage against a Florida state defense. That's fast and athletic and um, has some players I really like on it. And, you know, so I, it's going to be interesting to see if he does go uh, exactly how healthy he is. Cause if he can't run the football at that, Personally, I think you're better off going with the backup.
1: Everyone kind of knows about Sean Tucker. That's really the offensive star when you look over at Syracuse. I know you've mentioned he's had maybe a little bit of a slow start here this year, but still a guy that's over 700 yards on the ground, has scored nine touchdowns. He's a capable weapon to – dealt with but outside of that the rest of the Syracuse offense can you uh, tell us about some of the other play playmakers that we can expect to see on Saturday night contributing for the orange
3: yeah the number one guy that you're going to want to look at is Aronde Ronda he's been the number one target um, in the passing game he starts at tight end but he's kind of a tight end wide receiver hybrid they do a lot of things with him they'll line him up in the traditional tight end spot they'll put him out in the slot they'll even put him outside once in a while uh, but he's, you know, if the name sounds familiar, he's the son of uh, former Miami Dolphins wide receiver Rondae Gadsden. Um, same name. He's got, so obviously he's got NFL blood, bloodlines. Mm-hmm. And he's he's a great route runner, has excellent hands. He's one of those guys that he's too big for a defensive back, but too fast for a linebacker type of guys. And th- they've used that to their advantage a lot this season. So he leads the team in catches, receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. So in the passing game, he's definitely the guy you're, you're going to want to keep an eye on. Otherwise, to be honest with you, no one else from the wide receiver core has really stepped up and done much. It's been very inconsistent. You've had you know a game where Devon Cooper has four or five catches, and then you don't hear from him for a couple of games. Uh, Damian Alford is, is a wide receiver who did a few things last year as a freshman, flashed a little bit, and I think there were some expectations he was going to take a step forward this year, and he'll have games where... He'll have an incredible catch down the field, and that will be the only time you'll hear from him all game. Um, You know he he's really only catching the ball once or twice a game, if at all. And so there's been a lot of inconsistencies among that group. They've had some issues with drops in a couple of games. So really, if if you're Florida State going into this game, you feel like if you can shut down and try to limit Sean Tucker in the rushing game and control Aronde Gatsden as a receiver. I don't think you f- really fear anyone else on the Syracuse offense at this point.
0: Do you think Sean Tucker's fully healthy? I heard some ramblings on Twitter and such. It doesn't seem like he's a fully healthy guy right now.
3: He doesn't. And yeah, again, as, as I said before, Syracuse is very tight lipped with injuries. So we haven't been told anything. We haven't even been given the owie declaration <laughs> on Sean Tucker, but he hasn't looked the same. Even he's had moments, you know, he had 200 and, and some odd yard Rushing game, five touchdown game against Wagner earlier this year. In the season opener against Louisville, he had a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown, and 160 all-purpose yards. looked pretty good. Um, he's had a couple of other moments against NC State. He had, you know, some good moments there, but he really hasn't uh, looked like the same explosive, dynamic player as he did last year. Part of that, I think, is the offense trying to be a little bit more versatile and not rely on him to create offense all the time. It is you know, so a part of it is offensive philosophy, but even when he has touched the ball quite a bit, he just hasn't quite looked the same. He's gotten up slow on multiple occasions. So I've wondered all year, if there's something that's going on with him, some sort of nagging issue that we don't know about. On the
0: positive side of things, what do you think Syracuse this year, going on that run there, what do you have seen the most in growth out of Dino Babers this year? And, you know, Florida State always, Dino Babers coaches a really good game against Florida State. He's done that mm-hmm. in years past, last game being 33-30. to 30. What do you think the biggest growth you've seen specifically from Babers' team?
3: I think it was offensively. Um you know, defensively, he kind of turns that over to Tony White and lets Tony White do his thing. And since he's he's come over uh, a few years ago, the Serikis' defense has been pretty good with that three-three-five scheme, and and they're pretty good again this year, especially um, you know in the the linebackers and in the secondary. Defensive line obviously is a weakness, as I mentioned before, but the the back end of the defense is is really good. So, um, offensively, though, last year they had a lot of issues with not being versatile enough to throw the football. It was run, run, run. And teams, as the season went along, were stacking the box against Syracuse, putting, you know, eight, nine guys in the box and saying, we're daring you to throw the ball. And Syracuse couldn't this year. The offense has been better, more versatile and keeping teams honest because they've been able to throw the ball a little bit. They've used the middle of the field, which they didn't do at all last year. They've thrown the ball to the tight end position, which they didn't do at all the last couple of years. So it's really those types of things And, um, you know, I think being willing to stick some young players in there from time to time, which, you know, hasn't always happened in years past. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think a a large part of the success is also developing players inside the program. And you get to a year like this, where you've got a core group of veteran players who have experience at Syracuse within their system and, and also have some talent that that they've been able to develop over a few years
1: going over to the other side of the ball seemed like Syracuse during that six and oh start um defensively they really did a good job of limiting the run I think we're allowing under 100 yards a game during the six game winning streak and now over these three losses have allowed over 230 yards a game as well as as well as eight touchdowns on the ground in these past three so Florida State, obviously, they're going to be running it a lot with that three-headed monster of Treshawn Ward. It seems like he could probably be back this weekend, Trey Benson and Lawrence Toa Philly. What do you think? Um, It seems like Syracuse is going to have to limit Florida State's rushing attack to be able to pull off a win in this game. So how do you think they're going to be able to do so against all of those backs that FSU has?
3: Well, I think they took a positive step forward last week against Pittsburgh. Even though Pittsburgh ran for 160 yards, they only averaged 3.4 yards a carry and you know they, they kind of had some better moments early in that game and then as the game went along the run defense uh for Syracuse stiffened up a little bit so that you know I think that was a positive step forward in terms of what they were able to do but there's there's no question the last three games it's it's been an issue especially against Clemson and, and Notre Dame now those offensive lines are different than than a lot of teams mm-hmm. um and but I think Florida state poses a unique challenge in that they're going to have three guys that are going to rotate in and out. As you said, Notre Dame did that very effectively. And that was a problem that, that Syracuse really struggled with. But on top of that, what Florida state has that Notre Dame didn't have and Pittsburgh, didn't have is they have a mobile quarterback and they have a mobile quarterback that can throw the football. So against Clemson, they, they actually, Um, took out DJ because he was so ineffective against Syracuse and and they brought in their, their freshman uh, superstar and he had some success running the ball, but he really didn't do much with his arm. And so Syracuse's secondary was, was pretty good against him. The challenge here is, and then you look at Notre Dame and, and Pittsburgh and they didn't have a mobile quarterback. The challenge with Florida state is not only do they have that dynamic ground game, just with the running backs, but they've got Jordan Travis who can beat you with his legs as he did last or the the last time last year when these two teams played against Syracuse, he had a big game with his legs, but he can also throw the ball. He's, he's shown a lot of improvement this year as a thrower of the football. Something I've been very impressed with when I've watched uh, Florida state play three or four times this year. So it's, it's a unique challenge. It's sort of the worst parts from a Syracuse perspective of the last three games all rolled into one. So we'll see if they've learned anything. I think the big thing is the linebackers have to be up there, and be able to make plays. The interior of the defensive line can't get pushed around as much as they have been in the last couple of games. And if they can do those things and they've got a shot to, to at least limit Florida state's rushing attack enough that they can give their offense a chance.
0: I want to go on a player that, you know, you're kind of mentioned in a little bit of, of some Florida state players that you know of, or keeping an eye on going into this game. One of those, guy that y'all have faced before with Jared Verse, Florida State's transfer defensive end from Albany. You know, just about the threat from him. What do you think this impact and how, you know, Syracuse is going to have to stop him because, you know, he's kind of been on a tear. It doesn't seem like he's fully at 100%, you know, although his mindset definitely seems to be that way, but still hindering that knee injury that he had way back, way back against Louisville. What do you think, you know, going into this game, looking at Jared Verse. The game plan stopping a guy that has been uh, on on a run the last couple of weeks.
3: Well, I think it's going to depend where he lines up. If he lines up opposite Matthew Bergeron, I think Syracuse is going to let Matthew Bergeron try to block him because he's you know he's gotten some buzz as a potential first round NFL draft pick, and uh, Syracuse feels pretty comfortable with Matthew Bergeron going up against pretty much anyone. And and that's you know when he's your best offensive lineman, you have to be able to trust him in one on one situations, even against a really good uh, player lining up opposite him if he lines up on the other side which I'm sure Florida State will try to do because I think they'll have an advantage there then I expect Syracuse to do some things like they're going to chip him they're going to bring a tight end over bring a fullback over and and try to double him a little bit to limit his effectiveness Um, it's interesting though as you mentioned they faced him last year when he was at Albany he kind of made a name for himself because he almost chased down Sean Tucker. Sean Tucker broke away on a run and he chased him down and was actually closing the gap on Sean Tucker and a guy that size shouldn't be able to run that fast. And when he entered the portal, one of the first teams that went after him was Syracuse. They had coaches on him immediately trying to get him up for an official and, and almost trying to get him to commit because they knew he was going to blow up and that they were going to have stiff competition if he didn't commit right away and then he just starts getting offers from everywhere and ends up going to Florida state. Um, so it's, you know, it's always interesting seeing those guys that both teams targeted and he ends up in one place and goes to plays against the other. But yeah, I, I think Syracuse is going to have their hands full with him and, and being able to contain him is going to be um, an important part of, of Syracuse's offense, being able to have success and, They've had that issue the last two weeks going against, you know, a good Notre Dame defensive line and a good Pittsburgh defensive line. And uh, both of those those teams had success um, against Syracuse, and, and that was part of why they struggled offensively. The offensive line for Syracuse is going to have to have um, one of its best games of the season if they're going to be able to move the ball consistently.
1: Going back to the defensive side of the ball, it seems like Syracuse has been really opportunistic this season, forcing 16 turnovers, three Defensive touchdowns. So just why have they had such a high propensity for forcing these turnovers? And um, do you think they're going to need to get multiple turnovers on Saturday night to shut down Florida State's offense?
3: Well, I'd I'd say yes. But, you know, two of the last three games, they've won the turnover battle by multiple turnovers and have lost. Mm -hmm. They, they, They forced four turnovers at Clemson and won it plus three. They forced two turnovers against Pittsburgh, and and they were plus two on that, and lost both games. So, you know, you figure in those two games combined, they're plus five in turnovers. You'd figure they'd win those games pretty easily. So, yeah, I mean, I I do think they have to win the turnover battle. Part of the reason that they've been able to do that is because the strength of their, of their defense, as I mentioned, is the back end. It's the linebackers, their playmaking ability. And it's it's especially in the secondary where they've got multiple guys that are ball hawks or good, uh, good cover corners and Deuce chestnut. And even though Garrett Williams is out for the season, Isaiah Johnson is a transfer in from from Dartmouth is the other corner. He's six three. He's long. And he's been really good in coverage uh, since, since he's taken over for Garrett. And then Jihad Carter has been a a real gem for them this year as a safety. He's got multiple picks. Um, He's been all over the field. He has a a scoop and score against Clemson. He picked up a fumble, ran it back for a touchdown. So they've, they've got a bunch of guys who are ball Hawks and opportunistic and take advantage of opportunities that are there. And um, when they have been able to get pressure on the quarterback, that's helped them as well. So you know, it's 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 because of the scheme, but it's also because, you know, the secondary and the linebacking group is is deep and talented.
0: I've only got one left, and I think dealer, that was it for him. I want to ask you, Mike, don't want to ask for a specific score prediction on this, let your readers get that later on in the week, but I want to get your feel for this game overall. You know, a team that's probably a little feisty now. On the losing streak side of things, we saw the same thing with Florida State, you know, not not happy. We saw pissed off Jordan Travis after those losses, and it turned into being something better later on. But what do you think with this team overall? What do you think? Just the vibes and everything
1: and the carrier dome. It's going to be on Saturday it's night. Not the carrier dome speaking. anymore. That was the most <laughs> disappointing part of my research. Oh, no. It's the JMA wireless dome, which is just a we'll be calling it that. Yeah, We won't be calling it that. We won't be calling it that.
3: No, the locals that. don't call it that either. If it makes Exactly. Sense. <laughs> I'm trying to fit um,
0: in, Mike. I'm trying to fit in, but don't have to give a score prediction, but overall feeling going into this one for Syracuse.
3: Yeah, it's it's an interesting um, sort of conundrum in that I feel like Syracuse is going to come in and play desperate. They they play better at home than, than they do on the road, typically, under Dino Babers, um, and, and that's held true so far this year. But at the same time, I think Florida state's a bad matchup for Syracuse in, in a lot of ways. The the Florida state's rushing attack being one of them, um, Syracuse offensive line hasn't been that good in the last two games, especially. And they're, they were without their starting left guard, Kalen Ellis. in, in the last game, we don't know if he's going to be back for this game. That's a huge part of their rushing attack is he's, he's a very good run blocker. Um, and he's a huge guy at, you know, like 350 pounds or so. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think there's going to be some issues there, but I do expect Syracuse is going to come out and be desperate and, and play hard and play with a lot of energy. And as you said, play a little bit pissed off because they have lost three in a row. The crowd's going to be good. It has been all year and that will certainly help them. But, you know, I think right now, Florida is the better, Florida state's a better football team. And, um, you know, they're they're favored by six and a half points. I think last I checked on the line, I think that seems about right. I think you go into it feeling like Florida State's, you know, a touchdown to a touchdown and a half better than Syracuse. And if Syracuse is going to pull off an upset over a ranked team at home, then they've got to have some things go their way. That means good special teams play. That means getting a couple of turnovers. And, uh, you know, that means a couple of guys that are stepping in place of some injured guys, you know, playing perhaps a little bit above their head. I think they're capable of doing those things. I just don't think that it's uh, realistic to expect it going into it this year, but going into it this week, but it's college football. Anything can happen. Anybody can beat anybody. Um, And, you know, I I think Florida State's good. I think they're they're worthy of being a ranked team right now, but they're not, you know, a, a top 10 team that you look at it from a Syracuse perspective and say, the talent gap is so wide. We need some sort of miracle in order to win this game. You just say, "Well, we need a couple of things to bounce our way," and Syracuse is hoping that the home field advantage can help some of those things happen.
0: Yeah, Florida State, Dino Babers. Like I said earlier, you know, Dino knows how to coach against Florida State and has had some good luck in a lot of ways. But you know, this is a Saturday night game. Always late, Uh, isn't it fun being this being up so late during the season, Mike? Like this, it's like
3: I like night games. Um, Thank you. You know, it's 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 fun. You know, while you're there and watching it, whatever. But it certainly kills your sleep schedule (laughs) um but you know i think hey if we get a game that was as entertaining as last year's was i think everyone you know regardless of obviously one fan base is going to be upset at the end of it but (laughs) from our perspective from my perspective if if it's a game as entertaining as last year's was back and forth and right down to the end you know i i think uh, you can't ask for much more than that
0: yep absolutely so this game is gonna be on 8 p.m acc network prime time there so mike appreciate you coming on here fan nation and also sports illustrated's all syracuse friends over there on publisher. make sure you guys go check out that i know they got some good content coming up yep. and more throughout the week so mike appreciate you coming on here to give us some fantastic insight to all of our listeners thanks guys i
1: appreciate it yeah thank you mike that was awesome and looking forward to do some collaboration with y'all later this week so yeah make sure to check that out on noelgameday.com and all Syracuse as well
3: absolutely yep
1: appreciate you Mike thanks guys so that was
0: Mike McAllister great insight there on Syracuse and Dino Baber's team as Florida State is going to travel up there this upcoming weekend for an 8 p.m. kickoff Florida State on a roll right now already bowl eligible looking to get seven wins on the season before we move into the rest of the show Already heard a lot from Dustin Lewis, our editor and chief at knowgame.com. Down below is Austin Vizi going to bring back the banner below where it says that he's sad about Florida okay. State's basketball season so far, but he's very, only a basketball writer sad. who does a fantastic job, no matter what the score is, nor the record. Does a great job for knowgame.com. Vizi down below. Gentlemen, great stuff there from Mike. Florida State is going bowling, gentlemen. I know we already did our instant recap to the Miami game, which was definitely fun to talk about. That was our longest one of of the season. It's easy to do that when Florida State has a dominating performance like they did. But what a fun week it's been overall, if you don't include basketball under there, to see FSU Twitter just absolutely bullying (laughs) the Miami Twitter all throughout the week.
2: It's deserved. You know, Miami fans deserve it. They, they acted like, "Oh, thank you for having Manny Diaz fired and whatnot." And then you lose at forty-two. Or lose at forty-two at home. Uh, all the jokes were flying—from Harry Line jokes to your team sucks jokes. They were all there, and it was it was fun to watch.
1: And not only that, I mean, the team is having a lot is a lot of fun as well. Obviously, Florida State has moved back into the top 25, 25th in the AP poll, twenty-third in the College Football Playoff poll, which first appearance there since. Um, 2016 for the Seminoles. And, I mean, that's kind of continued on at the practice field this week. The players, Logan, I think we can both say they're having a lot more fun. It's a lot more loose out there than it was during that three-game losing streak uh, a couple of weeks ago. You know, you're seeing a, a couple more a – a couple more smiles, some more fun. But then the practices have also still been intense. There's been execution. And it seems like this team's really focused on trying to finish the season the right way, which, you know, they're already bowl eligible. But you win – Two out of these, two out of the three, or three out of the three final regular season games, you're talking maybe a premier bowl destination, and I mean that that changes things for Mike Norvell and Florida State.
0: As always, you can listen to podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, for on iTunes. Feel free to rate five stars, leave a review if you're on YouTube. Hit the like button, share with your friends. We're live every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. We're always trying to bring on a guest, so. I appreciate Mike hopping on here earlier. If you n- just got on here, make sure you guys go to the beginning of the show and listen to that preview there. And we'll be giving our score predictions near the end of the show. Also, getting our thoughts from Austin after a pretty embarrassing loss, one of the worst in program history under Leonard Hamilton, the Florida State basketball team. But let's head to some positive things here. We did a full 30 minute recap, so there's not much more we need to do on Florida State versus Miami, where they went down in 145 to 3. But let's let's jump into a few practice notes. D we were there Tuesday and also today, and also let's talk some quick hitters regarding Sam McCall and a position change for a true freshman on the offensive line. Well, let's let's start let's start with Sam McCall because that one's a little bit more earlier in the week, which happened after Florida State takes down Miami. You know, you start seeing a post from Sam McCall, uh, Florida State's highest rated. Recruit coming into this class from last year, uh, you know, a really promising player in that defensive backfield for Adam Fuller and Marcus Woodson. He puts out on Instagram that he has intentions on transferring, and he puts out an Instagram story saying that nothing is official yet, and then that Instagram post gets taken down. The story goes down, and then we see him at practice on Tuesday morning. D. you put out a piece about it, but, you know, we talked with Mike Norvell on Tuesday, also he tipped at it a little bit today again, but more on Tuesday. Say no, I was 18 years old once, and he felt like this was just an emotional thing. I kind of go back and look at Azra Thomas on getting that interception against Miami. Maybe there was a little bit of some playing time jealousy there of somewhat, but he's back in the fold. He was back practicing Tuesday, Wednesday, and he, and he looked good, but you want to have Sam McCall back in the fold because he's going to be a, a factor next season if we're talking Jamie
1: Robinson, Nakeem Dent leaving next year. Yeah, I think you you said it pretty well there. You know, Sam McCall didn't get a chance to appear um, against Miami and maybe that miffed him a little bit and, you know, just kind of an emotional response with the show, social media posts. And I think FSU's staff kind of had a conversation with him and, you know, everything is back in, Good standing at this point. And like you said, Sam McCall out of practice this week, continuing to take reps at cornerback, also spending some time at safety, which is kind of where we thought his position would be coming into the college level. And then during special teams, especially today, some tremendous uh, kick returns. So I think when you look at this week of practice he's had, he's responded the right way um, of what you would call some maybe maybe drama. But regardless, I think McCall's bounced back. The coaches, are, there's, there's nothing there. They're still coaching him the same way. I saw there was a miscommunication today in the defensive backfield, and him and Adam Fuller had a, had a good talk about it for a couple of minutes. Then later on in practice, Sam McCall, red tape, rodemaker perfectly and bounced and was right there for an interception, went through his hands. But regardless, was in the – bounce back and was in the right position to um, make a play. But I just think, you know, you look at social media – These are 18-, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids. Sometimes some of this stuff is going to trickle out. I think Florida State would have wished they could have kept this more of in-house. But regardless, I would consider this issue, if you even call it an issue, squashed um, at this point of the season. Obviously, the NCAA has instituted transfer portal windows now, which I I believe the first one will open up in December-ish once the bowl games are announced, if I'm correct. I'm still not – 100% 100% certain on that and then there's another window in the spring so that's when we'll truly see if you know maybe McCall or some other players on the roster decide to enter their names into the transfer portal but as of right now not a whole lot to worry about no I don't think so too uh you know Mike said it straight
0: up you know this was just this is this is a younger player and either there was some miscommunication on things we've seen that throughout the last couple of years at Florida state and things get fixed. And, you know, it was good to see him flash a lot throughout practices. And it's not like he's not getting opportunity. He's not on scout team. You know, him and Azra Thomas have not been on scout team since their arrival at Florida state. And it goes to show the trust and the belief and the factor of them eventually getting playing time. As we see Azra Thomas, he, he got big, he, he got a bigger start over Sam McCall just because of what we saw in the spring going into fall camp, he was getting more opportunities. So I think this is playing time. Primarily, But, you know, I think we're going to see more out of Sam McCall. But it, it, Mike Norvell is a coach where that's just because you put that out on Instagram and you want to transfer means, okay, this next week I've got to put you in the game. I've got to get you in there to save you, make sure that you're not going to transfer anywhere. I, I think it's going to be earned. It's got to be earned. And that's just how coach, mm-hmm. coach Norvell is. It's not going to be a whole, all right, the publicity, you got it. Now we got to give you attention. The media like us are giving you attention showing that you're at practice. So now let's go ahead and get you in the game more. As Ray Thomas has just earned that more. But it's all about developing. And if you look at next season, you know, after the season, we're going to preview a lot of these guys that are leaving. Sam McCall is going to play a lot of football
1: and Garnet gold next season. Right. And I mean, I think at this point, maybe a little bit of a short-sighted move. Because like you said, Jamie Robinson and Akeem Dent, it seems like they're both primed to make that move to the NFL following the season. And with Sam McCall taking increasing reps at safety, that could mean a potential move there. And to be a replacement alongside uh, Shaheem Brown, for those two guys. So we'll just have to see how it plays out. I think Thomas has refined a little bit more quickly at the cornerback position. And I mean, when you just look at it, you know, Renardo Green, Kevin Knowles, Amarion Cooper, Jerrion Jones, there's guys in that room that have played a lot of football at Florida State. And it's going to take a certain something that the coaching staff is going to have to see for them to put a true freshman in over those guys who have already played in these big moments. I know there have been some ups and downs, but they have been out there and have contributed over the last two or three years at um, Florida State. So McCall just hasn't shown that just yet. He's a little bit raw, but over time, this kid definitely has the skill set, the capability to be a difference maker at Florida State. And it takes, a it's different for every single player. You know, I don't think progression is a, A linear thing. Some guys can come in and contribute out of the gate. Some guys, it takes a couple of years. You know, look at the progression that Jordan Travis has made over three or four years. It just takes time in a college program and a certain system. It just takes time for different amount of time for every single guy. And I think McCall is eventually going to get there. Oh, absolutely. We we saw it in the spring. We saw flashes. We were writing about it, tweeting
0: about it. You know, Sam McCall, physical attributes, everything like that. And you got to be excited about hopefully having him back and you know rolling next year alongside Azaray Thomas too. There's a lot of positivity. Definitely, you know, I, we've seen him. They've been testing the waters a little bit at the safety position too. Played it in high school, so I don't think there's too much to worry about right now. Bell and the staff took care of what needed to be done and got the communication over. So. Uh, you know, I don't think this is something to really monitor too much uh, heading into the rest of the season and into the offseason, which makes it crazy to think. of oh, man, we're getting close to the offseason, even though Florida State does have a bowl game that is going to be fun. We don't have to just sit here and talk about the next season. We get to talk about a potential or a bowl game that Florida State will be playing on uh, later next month. So uh, let's jump into those college football playoff rankings real quick. Nothing. don't want to spend too much time on it, but it is damn worth noting since 2016 like you said earlier d florida state back into the college football playoff rankings it's weird now i have not put on espn i don't know about you guys i have not put on espn to watch the playoff rankings since that time when florida state was in there so when i saw twitter and i saw our discord blowing up i was like oh my gosh i guess i gotta start watching uh tuesday night on espn when they release those rankings it feels kind of good to get i know fsu fans too Florida State, if they were to come away with again win against Syracuse, they're going to be keeping a good eye on the TV on Tuesday nights. But, uh, you know, shout out to Florida State being ranked there now in the top 25 of those college football playoff rankings since all the way 2016.
1: Shows the progression that the program has made under Mike Norvell, and they could be a little bit even higher up if they, if they hadn't uh, slipped up in one of those games against Wake or NC State. Or Clemson, and you know, number twenty-three. It's a nice start for Florida State. Um, linebacker Kalen DeLoach was actually asked about it at practice today, and I think he said it, it's it's not good enough, you know. And I think that's where that's how Florida State should feel about this. It's good to be back into the top twenty-five, but there's still ways for this program to climb to get back to where it belongs.
2: I, I don't think I've watched a college football playoff ranking since twenty fourteen, and I heard those fools talk so much about game control that I never wanted to listen to him again. Uh, so as, as well as Florida state's been doing recently, I, I don't care. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm glad the rank, they deserve it. And, and like Dustin said, if you, if you beat NC state, if you beat, if you somehow come back and beat Clemson, you're higher up, but I, I don't care about their opinion, honestly.
0: <laughs> it's, very, it's definitely a political thing. I think it's just more of just showing the climb that Mike Norvell has had. I mean, now the theme that he's scripted is right on. I mean, the climb and you look back at the NC state game where Florida state should have came away with the win there. And a lot of those other losses being one possession games, it just shows the growth there that Mike Norvell has had. And uh, it will be fun though, to go back. Definitely if Florida state is able to come away with the win on the road this Saturday to see, Hey, I got, I got something to watch on Tuesday nights. Cause there's nothing else. I know y'all got basketball, but I don't watch basketball that much until the Warriors get to the playoffs. But uh, you know, he watches I watched the first game he and doesn't. then I'm like, oh, wait, they got to play again and again and again. But Tuesday nights to watch ESPN feels like old memories, man. I was back in high school during that time.
1: Young Buck. Th- Dustin was oh, still in man, college. I'm pretty much still am in college. <laughs> Yeah,
0: I'm I'm definitely sick. I'm sick, so we're holding on by a straw. I'm sweating right now, but we, we got to get a podcast done. We got to get. A, this is a good season for Florida State, so I'm just going to sweat it out, whatever I've got going on. Uh, let's jump into some practice things real quick, including a position change for Antavius Woody D. Lou. Yeah, uh, you know I noted on this last week in our Discord. Make sure you guys are jumping in there. It's free to jump in and, and get a lot of this scoop. Uh, make sure you join the Patreon too. But you know, we watch, I was watching on Woody. I was like, OK, hold up now. They got him a de- at a defensive tackle, mainly whenever they're going against one on ones there. You know, Coach Odell Higgins, along with Alex Atkins, will head over to the end zone. They'll spend about 10, 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes of offensive line going against defensive line. Then you'll have two V2s going at at each other, picking up blocks. But on Woody, a guy that's not easy to miss because of his size and what he is as a true freshman, big guy. But Mugnerville confirmed with us, talked with him, asked him yesterday on Antavius Woody's position change. And it became official too. D. you put out a piece. It's official. Antavius Woody, over to defensive tackle, which he played at in high school. A lot of people wanted him a defensive tackle, but it seems like they feel pretty confident in what they have at offensive line. If you think about it, they have a lot of true freshmen there there at that offensive line right now, and they're only building into more of this upcoming class once they build and grab more guys. But Woody, now a defensive tackle, I personally am a big fan. If you go back and watch some of his tape, you get a lot of Timmy Jernigan vibes, just a really physical, physical lineman that, you know, Odell Higgins is probably licking his
1: chops of what he can do with him as you noted, saw this last week, didn't know if maybe it was just for him to emulate um, Miami's Leonard Taylor on the scout team. And at the time we had reached out to Florida State and and asked about it and they said that there was no official comment on any position change. And then on Sunday night, we were informed by the program that Woody had been moved from offensive line to defensive line. And I think for him, you just kind of see the natural instincts. You You mentioned the physicality. That's the first thing that pops out. I mean, this kid's just trying to rip your head off on Tuesday, going up against uh, Thomas Schrader. I mean, just put him right, right on his back. Um, And then today just watching him in team drills over there in one-on-ones against the offensive line. He he has a very low center of gravity and he just engages you with the mentality that he's going to put you on your back. And I think that's exactly what you want to see from a, defensive tackle, maybe a little bit of there's still some some steps to make as far as understanding the system and and technique. But if you have a guy out there that can violently plug up a hole and take out a blocker or two, that's that's exactly what you want from a defensive tackle. And the early signs have definitely been productive uh, for Woody at his new position. And Mike Norvell sounds like he's been happy with that so far. and, And we'll see where it goes from here
0: yeah and Kaniah Charlton is one that went against him on Tuesday, and those two back to back reps you know you know Anavivius Woody won and I saw we've seen flashes from Kenaya charlton Kenaya Charlton's not a scout team player that guy's dressed yep. out in his number and Kenaya Charlton is no small human being. We knew that since arriving at Florida State but to see those reps and also put some guys on their back that' just shows you know Woody his physicality Magnaval said he's at three hundred and fifteen to three twenty pounds. I definitely think there could be some trimming done there but he said he shouted out he said he's been great in the weight room and it goes to show to mm-hmm. his power is, is enormous so if you look now in that defensive line room dustin odell Higgins, he he's like i'm coming back next year i, I got another year of coaching <laughs> man it just won't ever end it just won't <laughs> ever end but you look at iobame to who is who was also doesn't look like a true freshman whatsoever bishop thomas and also daniel Lines, lions has, yeah daniel Lyons, who has had the biggest growth and development under odell hagans you are starting to get really
1: excited about the future of that defensive line room. And those are just Mm -hmm. the young
0: guys. Think about the guys that are veterans that have a potential
1: of coming back next season. Uh, You you said it perfectly. It really feels like uh, Fabian Lovett and Robert Cooper, they're going to make that leap to the NFL. And that leaves behind, you know, Jarrett Jackson, Malcolm Ray, Joshua Farmer, who we've raved about a ton. And then those four true freshmen you just mentioned, along with Florida State right now, four-star defensive tackle KJ Sampson, who's been committed to FSU since March, he's going to be coming into the fold as well. I believe he's an early enrollee, so that's someone that will be getting involved as soon as January. Who knows a guy with that talent? Maybe he somehow works his way past some of those younger guys and gets into the rotation as well. We're just going to have to see. But um, I really feel like there's there shouldn't be a huge drop-off for Florida State on that interior defensive line because you've got three guys who have started over the last couple of years um, who are just going to continue to grow. And then those true freshmen – have a lot of promise as well, especially, you know, we haven't even gotten a chance to see Tafasi in game action yet. Woody's just starting to get some of these reps, a defensive tackle. Sky is really the limit for that interior, and then we'll talk about it on the edge as well. But you've got, you know, we all know about Patrick Payton, but another redshirt freshman who's beginning to flash now that he's healthy, Byron Turner Jr. Yeah, I know. Let's
0: let's jump into some practice observations real quick before we let VZ go and give his take on basketball uh, yeah. real quick. Yeah, before. we need to do that. Yeah, let's go into some practice observations. Byron Turner, you know, I know you want to mention him. You always keep a close eye on him throughout practices. But all throughout the week, the the main thing that I'm getting out of this, the theme, is a happy squad. It makes sense. Yes, you just beat your rival, your rival and you got a winning streak going right now. But Florida State, the coaching staff, the players, the competitiveness, it doesn't feel like we are in almost close to the middle of November to me, Dustin. Like this team – was banged up earlier. This team is getting healthier and healthier and healthier. And that will we'll talk about that going into the Syracuse preview when we give our predictions. But this team is excited to be out there, excited to compete, a lot still of accountability to, a lot of listening, a lot of hard coaching to from Mike Norvell. The energy just doesn't stop. But just the the theme overall, man, this team really likes
1: being out there together right now with one another. For sure. There's been no drop-off in practice. I know whenever we had Ja'Kai on here last week, talked a little bit about maybe some guys can not get caught going through the motions, but you just kind of get used to the daily grind of going to practice and preparing for the opponent, especially now when you know this is your 10th time doing it this year. But like you said, Florida State, they're having a ton of fun out there. There hasn't been any drop in the focus or – the intensity and, you know, these guys, they're just enjoying playing football. I know Mike Norvell said earlier this week that this is some of the most fun that he's ever had coaching football. And I think it's just seeing the hard work pay off. You know, these guys did a lot over the off season and the tour of duty and spring practice and over the summer. So for Florida state to have this type of winning season where they're able to achieve postseason eligibility with still, you know, a quarter of the year left to play, there's definitely some positive vibes going through the program, and it's just showing that what they've done has paid off to this point. And I, th- I think they're just looking forward to continuing to kind of reap the rewards here.
0: You're muted. One player that really stood out to me uh, this morning was Brian Corny, true freshman tight end that dominated. And the red zone Mm -hmm. catches one-on-ones and got to say they were against two veteran safeties with Akeem Dent and Jamie Robinson. Jamie Robinson was not so happy. He sat there looked at the video board and was like, what the world ref, you going to help me out there? They were definitely contested catches, but sure enough, no, there was no flag to be called there. Brian Courtney with two really solid reps, Mike Norvell, giving a lot of praise to him after practice and after the catches there that he had. But you know, a lot of people very high on Brian Courtney. I'm growing into that too. Uh, seeing him develop there and also had a big catch there on fourth down from Tate Rodemaker against Miami last Saturday night. You're seeing the growth there from Courtney, and it is fun to watch him. Definitely when he's coming down, he's just got really good hands, man, when he's in those contested, good coverage from. And it wasn't like these guys were far off. It wasn't like Brian Courtney beat him off on a route or anything. Just, you know, Brian just uses his hands, man, and he's really physical, and he came down with two nice touchdowns.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is a guy converting from quarterback to tight end, and I mean, I remember when he committed to Florida State a year ago after the spring game, people were like, Why? who's this Brian Courtney guy? And I think now you're starting to see it. Ever He's gotten to Florida State, looked raw in the spring, and then slowly just started to look more natural now. At that tight end position, like you said, one of his best practices to date today, where he was able to seal off Jamie Robinson and Akeem Dent using that six foot four frame in the end zone, and just not letting them get by with two strong contested catches. And there were some other plays where he didn't run his route quite right. One of them resulted in a Travis Jay one handed interception. So there's still some things that the true freshman has to clean up. But you're definitely seeing the signs there. And Cam McDonald going to probably be moving on from the program this off season um, due to, due to eligibility, I believe, you know, you're going to need someone to step up as a receiving tight end next year. Brian Courtney could very well be that guy. I was also going to say, let's let Austin talk about his hoops because he's running out of time here.
0: I was going to let one last thing though, just to finish off some of the practices, uh, some of the practice notes too throughout it, you know, watching Jordan Travis, I thought today, a beautiful ball down to pokey Wilson down the sideline, Florida state, on Wednesdays, we'll practice a one-minute offense starting on their own 25. Absolutely drilled a beautiful toss off to a fade to Pokey Wilson, which I thought was just gorgeous, which led into a Ryan Fitzgerald kick. Dustin, give us a uh, give us a great update there on field goal kicking, since that's the number
1: one thing you go to practice for with your notes on Ryan Fitzgerald, please. I mean, I, I do keep a, an accurate yep. count of, of all of the kicking between Ryan Fitzgerald and the backup, um, but – Regardless, yeah, today, pretty pretty solid day for Fitzgerald. He hit a 53-yard field goal on Florida State's two-minute drive to begin practice. But actually, the defense decided to call a timeout on the play to ice Fitzgerald. Then he came back, hit another 53-yarder that probably would have been good from 60, hit two more later in the practice. You know, Now we're talking about Brian Fitzgerald. He had those struggles to begin the year. Hasn't missed a field goal in a game since uh, the Wake Forest matchup on October 1st, 4-4. Four on his last four attempts, I believe 17 out of 17 on his extra point attempts during that time. So, credit to the kid for for rebounding from that sluggish start. You know, we talked about Florida State looking for a potential replacement there, and it's really tough for kickers to respond from those type of struggles. Uh, I think you really got to credit the coaching staff and and Ryan Fitzgerald's mental fortitude to overcome that, get back to the fundamentals, and and now he's starting to figure things out again. But Austin VZ, one team that hasn't been able to figure things out. The Florida State Seminoles on the hardwood lost their season opener on Monday night to uh, Stetson. What can you tell us about that? Not just lost. I mean, you could argue they got
2: dominated I, by a Stetson team. That is not good. A, a team that was projected to be, you know, bottom third in the Atlantic Sun Conference, which if you've even heard of the A-Sun, raise your hand. I'm pretty sure I'm the only, only one. Um. This is embarrassing. There's no other way to put it. You let a kid that transfers from Ball State to Stetson played, you know, in 18 games last year, scored 60 total points. You let him score 27. I mean, you you talk about shades of Ryan McMahon, if you remember that short, skinny white kid from Louisville. It was the exact same thing. He even did the same. He's turning around while he's shooting from 30 feet away and drains it in front of the bench. Ryan McMahon did the exact same thing probably five times against Florida State. If you're going to... If you're going to let Stetson do this to you, where they're just consistently, you know, getting ball screens, getting the right matchup, taking that guy off the dribble, then either finish at the rim and kicking out. If you're letting Stetson do that, what are you going to do in ACC play when you're playing, you know, Duke and Carolina and Virginia has Kihei Clark, who's as good as anyone, is breaking, down in, breaking down someone off the dribble? What are you going to do then? Yeah. Florida State's got to get some things figured out defensively. They really have to change the defense you know, the the way Florida State plays basketball, I get it. They want to be in your face. They want to be pressuring you up and down 94 feet, speeding you up, forcing you into bad shots, but they're forcing teams into good shots. That's not what you want. And at the same time, the objective of this defense is to force turnovers. Stetson only turned it over eight times. Florida State only had two steals. So if you're not, if you're not achieving what you're supposed to be achieving, why are we in this defense to begin with? I, I get it, it's the first game, and Sure, I might be overreacting, but it's Stetson. Right. You let Stetson shoot forty percent from three. You let them out rebound you. Yep. Something's got to change. You know, I, I get it. Florida State's got only has eight people active right now. That's why they have to change the defense, in my opinion. Either go back to the help and recover that they played in the like the sixteen and nineteen range, or just go pack line. You know, I get that's not Florida State's thing, but they got to figure something out. They can't be doing the switch everything, including the bigs, because they're, you know, just time and time and time again, Nahima Cloud's getting caught on an island. Cameron Corn's getting caught on an island. And, you know, as good as an athlete as those two are for their size, that's a tough ask of them. It, it really, really is.
1: Don't talk to me about Nahima Cloud. One out of five, two points, uh, two rebounds against Stetson. Had a chance for a block there, I believe, in the first half. Instead, just jumps right into the guy and fouls him for an and one, uh, there were multiple times where he was around the basket, trying post moves. They did not work whatsoever for, so for a seven foot four center uh, to to play like that against Stetson, is there anything positive to look forward to in this front court VZ? Because it felt like not even just the front court, but the team as a whole really struggled to finish around the basket. And then you look at it from the charity stripe, wasn't very charitable. 14 out of 27, from the line. That's not, that's not what you want to see from the Seminoles.
2: Absolutely brutal. I really liked what Cameron Corn gave Florida State offensively. You know, as a true freshman, I don't think any of us are expecting to play him, play that much, you know, before guys started getting hurt. But he looked pretty good Monday night. And and honestly, so did Tom House. Everyone was like, what is this signing when he committed? But, you know, at halftime, he was your leading scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's confident. He's got a little bit of swagger to him. And he's not afraid to take a tough shot. That's something Florida State needs, honestly. And Darren Green wasn't great Monday night, but he also played 38 minutes. It's kind of tough to ask a player to do that in this kind of system where, you know, it's a constant motion offense. It's a, you're constantly switching on defense. And Stetson was targeting him in one-on-one matchups defensively. So, yeah, I get he has a bad shooting night when he's literally playing every single possession as the primary target, whether it's offensively or defensively.
0: That's gracious. So wait, now upcoming games for Florida state, you know, switching things around, they're going to go on the road and face UCF, you know, and they want revenge there too, against UCF, you know, what do you think? Cause the big thing to me last year, you had transfers coming. I think Leonard Hamilton was getting acclimated to that. And I just didn't see a lot of true leaders on that team. Whereas you go back in years past, being a, having multiple leaders on that team led them to so many good games, good wins, leading them into tournament runs, like, just feels like it's very bare right now. You were dealing with relying on a lot of young players right now, but the next couple of games starting off with UCF, you know, can, can Florida state bounce back?
2: I mean, they don't really have a choice, honestly. I mean, you, you, you're going to, you're going to know as much about any opponent as you will with UCF. Not only have you played them a lot in the last few years, you have a player that was just on that team in Darren green jr. Who knows that system knows that staff may not know the players cause UCF has like nine, eight or nine newcomers. Mm -hmm. Um, But he still knows that system, knows that staff, knows what they want to do and what their objectives are. I'm sure he's passing that information along saying, this is how we played at UCF, and this is how we got beat in all the games that we got beat. Um, UCF just lost at home in double overtime to UNC Asheville, uh, let a kid score 40 points. It was kind of incredible to watch. I was on the phone with somebody, and we were watching the game together because, you know, we're basketball nerds and we're depressed. Um, But it it was just unbelievable to watch them lose that game to UNC Asheville. Again, UNC Asheville is not very good. It's a very similar situation to Stetson, Florida State. I think Stetson's worse and Florida State's better, but um, it's going to be about 13 total people watching this game Friday night. um, And sadly, I will be one of them.
1: (laughs) So with this loss to Stetson, is it time to panic for Florida State or do you consider this maybe more of a fluke? At what point of the season, you know, moving forward now, if Florida State loses to UCF, looking forward after that, you know, you've got Troy, Florida, Mercer, Siena before you play Purdue. At what point early in the season, as, as it is, in Florida State's integrating all these new faces. They've got some injuries. But when do you start to – when does the panic meter start to rise a little bit for Leonard Hamilton? It really just depends how they play Friday night. You know, I, I
2: got to see how they respond. You know, is this a team that's going to just let them be pushed over and they're going to lay in? lay on the road like a dead possum or are they going to fight back and you know try and win a ball game um th- that's the big thing about all these injuries I think Jalen Ganey was the biggest vocal leader just because he has that experience mm-hmm. and then you have a guy like Chandler Jackson who I really think is going to be special for this team in the coming years he kind of has that alpha mentality bulldog mentality and he hasn't played yet and you know I'm not expecting him to be that guy when he gets on the floor whenever he is in this next couple weeks but especially Gainey, that loss was huge not just defensively but from a mindset standpoint of getting guys prepared, I think that was big. And then the Baba Miller news, I think, just took the win out of everybody's mm-hmm. sales. You know, we can talk about what Baba's impact is on the floor, but you have to also view it from a team standpoint where they're seeing it going, why are they doing this to us? And, you know, it, we can't really we can't really estimate what, what happened inside that locker room, but from the way they responded Monday night, it wasn't great. Um, and also the same point, I, I I feel like the guys never thought they were actually going to lose that game to Stetson until there was about six minutes left, and like, oh yeah, we might actually lose this. <laughs> and then you finally started seeing that hustle, that get up. Um, it was tough to watch. It was so tough to watch.
1: As you said, a, a disappointing start. Um, a lot of chaos around the team right now. We'll see if they're able to respond on Friday night at UCF, seven o'clock will be the tip off there but Austin real quick I know you've got to head out of here shortly can you well I, I don't know if Logan's about to ask something about basketball he looks kind of miffed but Austin can you provide your score prediction for Saturday night Florida State Syracuse
2: um yeah I'm expecting a big performance from the running backs you know even though they even though Syracuse is a little bit better against uh Pitt only averaging you know only allowing about 3.4 3.5 yards per carry Trey Benson I, I looked it up earlier he is forced what is it 59 missed tackles in 89 rush attempts. Everybody that's ahead of him has almost 200 rushing attempts. Um, and he is fifth total in missed tackles. Um, absolute beast. I know Syracuse's linebackers have played pretty well, but I think the Florida, Florida State rushing attack's is going to be pretty good. Um, I'll take Florida State. I think it's going to be a little bit tighter th- than the spread has. A, I got a 31-27 Florida State.
0: Whoa, whoa, tight one. Tight one, okay. Tight. Tight. We're not, we're not, I'm not, I'm not as tight as you, but I'm close to it.
2: I just, D- Dino Babers always seems to play Florida State a little bit closer than he should. He does. He does. I do think this is a
0: different, we'll, I'll get my score prediction later, but yeah, just, gotta, I got to go. Peace. Go to your meeting. Go to your meeting. 9. PM meetings should be against the rules, against the law or anything. Actually. I've never seen anything like that.
1: If you ever try that with me? I ain't sure. Duh.
0: Oh, I know. I know for damn sure. i know better than that, buddy. I know better than that. But let's jump into some Florida State versus Syracuse to end off the podcast. And D. Lou and I will give our score predictions. Uh, Overall thoughts on this one. You know, we had Mike on earlier, gave us some good, some good, you know, info all around Syracuse. And, you know, Babers, once they're going to be bringing in this team. But, you know, one thing that I took away from that, man, health, health, health. And it's really hurting for Syracuse right now. Whereas on the trajectory for Florida State, it is just going upwards, upwards, and upwards, where Florida State didn't even have to play Trayshawn Ward. Last week, we talked to Mike Norvell today about that, and he said, you know, felt like if they needed him for an emergency situation, they could have thrown him out there, but didn't feel like there was really a need whenever you watch Trey and do what he's doing along with Lawrence Toa Philly. I, I think Florida State has a big-time advantage with being a healthier team coming into this one. Fabian Levin expected to play for a third week in a row, adding into that defensive line, whereas Syracuse has struggled on the offensive line side of things. And, man, a, a healthy Florida State defensive line – is is uh, a menace to any team in the
1: country can't argue with that Uh, as you said and and Mike said Syracuse has had some real struggles up front with that offensive line Uh, nine different players have started a game for Syracuse in 2022 and they've allowed um, 28 sacks which is an average of over three a game one of the very worst in the entire country so with the way that Syracuse likes to play offensively, which means if Schrader is going to play, Schrader and Sean Tucker are going to carry the load. You know, not only with Schrader's arm, but he's going to get involved on the ground as well. For to say they're really going to have to shut down that rushing attack for Syracuse. And I think when you look at it over this three-game losing streak for the Orange, they've only averaged 70 rushing yards um, a game during this this streak and. That's not going to do it against Florida State's defense. Uh, They've really responded well the last two weeks against Georgia Tech and Miami. There's some momentum there on both sides of the ball. The offense firing on all cylinders right now as well. So, I mean, you've just got a hot Florida State team and, you know, getting healthy at the right time, whereas Syracuse dealing with some injuries and and in the midst of this losing streak. But at the same time, they're still a very capable and competitive football team. And, And like Austin said, Dino Babers, it always seems like he plays Florida State a little bit closer than you might expect and and that's kind of where I'm leaning on Saturday night right now as well.
0: One thing I want to note on Norvell on road games this season has been nice. I mean, I know understand you get the NC State loss there and that definitely stinks. But, you know, Florida State start off the season against LSU on the road which is now a top 10 team in the college football playoff rankings, that makes that win so much better and better on Florida State's resume, but Norvell has prepped his team to play really good football on the road and like like mike said earlier i don't give a damn what the stadium's called it's still always gonna be carrier dome no matter what <laughs> but inside that dome there will be a good crowd but florida state has done a really good job uh, of playing and whenever they're traveling Mike bell has set up some beautiful drives they're always scoring we talk about in the press box when we're at home games but florida state on uh, drives to start off the game could sometimes put the crowd away and it happened uh what well, was last week or somewhere well Syracuse uh suffered a pick six there and that that crowd just just fell down Florida State can do that with a Magnarvell drive that has been very successful with Jordan Travis and Treshawn Ward back uh, Trey Benson too balling like he is to put that crowd away but I've just been really pleased to see Magnarvell get his team prepared for road games this season
1: mm-hmm. yeah and You know, credit to Mike Norvell, because dating back to last year, he finally won his first road game at Florida State uh, whenever they went to North Carolina. And uh, ever since then, we'd have to pull up the record. But Florida State, I would say a positive record in road games. And and they played very well away from home so far this season. I know they had that collapse against North Carolina State, but they were right there with a chance to knock off a ranked team on the road. And and I think in this one, you know, you mentioned the – way that Florida State's offense has been able to come out of the gate, really put some points on the board. That's what you're going to have to do against Syracuse, because for whatever reason, this is a, a team that starts fast, an 85-30 to 30 scoring advantage in the first quarter so far this season. So that means Florida State, they're going to need to be on their toes from the opening kickoff. They're going to need to convert on that first scripted drive of the game, and it would be huge for the defense to force a couple punts in that opening quarter, because it seems like Dino Baber's kind of the same thing as Mike Norvell—he comes out with a pretty good game plan and, and executes it early on. And, and then maybe things taper off a little bit throughout the game. We'll just have to see. And, and it's really going to depend if Schrader suits up for this one, because um, the orange were only able, they compiled less than 200 yards last week and the loss of Pittsburgh backup Carlos Del Rio Wilson just doesn't have the capability or the experience that offense that Schrader does. Mm-mm, no.
0: And definitely, if you're going to trot out a backup there, if Schrader is not able to play, we saw how that worked for Miami last weekend. Florida State's defense and Adam Fuller will send everything on you to go back to that Jamie Robinson play, man. It, it just gets to a point where it's not fair. And, you know, watching Odell Higgins, what he's been able to do with that defensive line with a healthy Fabian Lovett in the mix alongside Robert Cooper, Jared First, who I think is going to have a good time going back to Syracuse. Once again, I know a lot of their fans in the stands won't be happy seeing him on the field. Definitely with a developed and and much even more improved, bigger size verse with almost that same speed. But, you know, Florida State has a big chance here, I think, to put this game away quicker. I don't think it's going to be so much of a blowout like I was expecting going down to Miami. But I think Florida State is going to take care of business. And I think they're going to take care of business pretty early. Um I think they know what's at stake. You know, Florida State has a chance here to finish off the season with just three losses, and it's going to be fun going back after this regular season is over, is going back to look at what we were predicting in our season preview and be like, wow, you know, I I went eight and four. I was event initially going seven and five, D'Loob, but I, during the show, you know, the gut just went with the gut there and went eight and four. I think I predicted Florida State to win this game against Syracuse going into the season. I think we all I did. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't see that much changing for me, and I think the same thing is going to be for you, D. Lou. This team, just throughout the week and watching practices, man, it, it helps so much being in the inside there, and Magner Val gives us the great access like he does to see this team and how focused they've been. And there's nothing during this week that tells me, oh, they're not even thinking about Syracuse or they're overlooking anything. They haven't done that all throughout the season. They've been very keyed in on their opponents ahead, no matter if it's Duquesne. Boston College who was an awful team this year. This team has stayed really direct <laughs> with their has stayed a really random direct Boston
1: their... College shot. Jesus.
0: Well, they deserve it. Awful <laughs> team am I wrong chat? Jeez. They did lose to
1: uh pretty
0: sure they lost to UConn a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're a really bad. really bad team. But uh I don't think this is a really bad bad team, but I think Syracuse is down and hurting pretty badly, let's be honest, and I I think Florida State's going to take care I've been this. Who's gonna be a key player or two for this game on Saturday night for Florida State? Um, you know, like we said, Trader, don't know if he's gonna be fully healthy. Uh, you know, there's also some other players too. Sean Tucker too, doesn't seem like he's a hundred percent. I I I, I, I I'm, I'm just looking straight at the defensive line, and whatever they want to do, they can do. I'm gonna go straight. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, it's either between. It's easy to go with Jared Verse on the outside, and he's always gonna do his thing. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Fabo. I, I think Fabo needs to have a big game here. It's a big bad game too for him too. Look at Syracuse's offensive line and last couple of weeks struggling there. I think taking advantage there of that offensive line and ruining. Sean Tucker's potential there to have a have a decent game and give Syracuse any kind of ground game would be huge.
1: What do you what do you think, D. Lou? For me, it's a little cliche, but I've got to go with Trey Benson because it really feels like this guy is heated up over the last two weeks. You know, that career performance against Georgia Tech, he follows it up with an even with another career performance and, and two touchdowns against Miami there. I I forget exactly what Austin's stat was, but I think it was 59 missed tackles that he's forced regardless. It feels like every game this guy's getting hit in the backfield one, two, three, four times then bouncing outside for 15 or 20. There's there's just something different about Trey Benson in that backfield compared to Tre'Shaun Ward and, Lo- and Lawrence Toaffili who are both very good options, but it seems like Benson kind of has the he has the burst and then he also has the ability to really churn through contact. And I think that's something that's been really impressive, especially as of late, this is a guy who wasn't even two years removed from a serious knee injury where he tore basically every tendon in his knee. So for him to be having this success uh, at this time for Florida state, it's huge. And you look over at the defensive side of the ball for for Syracuse, allowing 141.1 rushing yards per game. That's 62nd in the country. And as we mentioned, whenever Mike was on here, it's jumped up to over 230 yards a game. During this three game losing streak. So it's going to be huge, not just for Benson, but the other running backs as well to come out there and perform because this might be another game like Miami where the Seminoles are really able to control the clock and the game on the ground.
0: I think they will control this game. I really do. On the road this weekend on Saturday night, Florida State will be kicking off at 8 p.m. on the ACC network. Magnor Bell and the Seminoles traveling up there. Trashawn Ward. We'll see if he is gonna make a return on the field on Saturday. If you need him, if you don't, but I would imagine they'd like to get Trey Sean Ward back in the mix to finish off the latter half of the season. I don't know who went first last week. I'll just, I think I went first last it, week. Yeah, yeah, I think it's me. I think it is you if you want to. Go ahead and give it a shot. We're, we're on a winning streak right now,
1: too. All of us are. Pretty good one. Trying to, yeah, I'm trying to think with my I think my last is it NC State? I think I, I'm i pretty Wake sure I Forest. predicted a loss. I think, it was, I think it was Wake. I predicted Florida State to beat Wake. Oh, so that was the last one. Yeah, I think I stuck with the loss against NC State. But, yeah, like you said, a pretty pretty, nice little streak for all of us. Actually, if you go to com on Friday, whenever we drop our staff score predictions for this week against Syracuse, check out the records for this season. Because I think everybody, uh, not just us on the podcast, the whole staff for the website – has been doing a really good job with their predictions this season. And we don't collaborate or talk about any of these before the games. They just – I asked for score predictions. They get sent to me. We put them into an article, and I'm very surprised with how accurate. And then the scores are also pretty close to each other. But anyway, I'll quit nerding out. Going over to my score prediction for Florida State Syracuse. Coming in a couple weeks ago, whenever Syracuse was 6-0 and and they had that 21-7 to lead against Clemson and Death Valley – I was a little worried um, about the orange. The the offense was clicking. The defense really had stepped up. But then, yeah, the injuries have decimated them as of late. We're not quite sure on the availability of Garrett Schrader. And regardless, he he missed last week. And it seems like he might not be 100% if he is able to play or not. Sean Tucker, definitely a weapon on offense. But I think Florida State, on the other side, um, offensively, should be able to control the game, like I said earlier, on the ground. Uh, with their trio of running backs. I don't know that we see a big passing performance from Jordan Travis, but I do think he gets a couple plays there on the ground to help FSU. And this one ends up being a little closer than I think is expected, but I'm going to go Florida State, 31, Syracuse, 17. I wanted to go over 40, but just looking at at their defense, only have allowed 20-plus points four times this season. Two of those times have been – in the last three games, but I, I think it would take something, you know, an ex, a really explosive performance for to say to get over 40.
0: Okay. I like it. I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm right there with a lot of things that you just said, D. Lou. Uh, I think health things is the biggest concern for Syracuse going into this one. And, mm-hmm. you know, not a fully healthy Schrader. We don't even know if he'll be playing too. And then looking at Sean Tucker too, not being fully hundred percent is really hurting Syracuse right now. Um, You know, I I really do feel like if Florida State has a successful drive to start off this game, man, they they can manage it all throughout the night. Uh, And I really liked how Florida State has played all throughout the week and all throughout the season on the road. I feel like that's something that is worth noticing going back from last year and the improvement Mike Norvell's made inside that locker room, getting his team prepared on the road. They just seem sharper, man, and and they seem dialed in to take care of business and get the heck out of there. Uh, I think Florida State's got this one. Uh, in the bag after going into third quarter, I'll be honest with you. I got Florida State 34, Syracuse. I wanted to say, I, I,
1: if Schrader's not out there, it's gonna be 30. It's gonna be 34. I don't know. Uh, I'll be honest. I don't know if Syracuse gets over 10 if Schrader isn't able to play. I'm kind of projecting this based on him giving it a go, kind of like we saw from Tyler Van Dyke last week. We'll yeah. see which way it goes. Does he stay in the game or does he have to go out? like Van Dyke, but if Carlos Del Rio Wilson has to go in there, I'm, I'm not confident that the Orange are able to have basically any offensive success against FSU.
0: No, they're a better team than Miami. Last week, I projected Florida State to just take care of business and uh, obliterate Miami. I think <clears throat> Syracuse, Dino you know, Babers always coaches a pretty good game against Florida State. Feels like almost like their Super Bowl throughout the season sometimes. But this one, it just ain't going to work, Dino. But I, I got Florida State 34 <laughs> Uh, Syracuse, should I give him 14? I'm gonna go 13. I just don't know, even if he is healthy, they're gonna be licking their chops coming after him with that Syracuse offensive line. And eventually, it just ain't gonna work, just kind of how we saw against Miami last week with Tyler Van Dyke. It just, just a couple hits is just gonna do it. So, um, yeah, I think feel pretty good about that one. Mm -hmm. And that would be another dominant, that would be a dominant win, a really nice win on the road for for Florida State from a team that we we'll starting off hot for Syracuse, six and zero run that they made, man. That would be a, a nice win, and that leads you into the last two games of the season against the Raging Cajuns, Billy Napier's old team, and then the Florida Gators at home, which Florida State will end off the season with two home games,
1: which will be fun. We'll see that this could be a big one for Florida State. You know, maybe not as pretty on the scoreboard, but I think a win on the road over a gritty Syracuse team—that's something that everyone would be happy with coming into the year and maybe it propels Florida state inside the top 20 of the top 25. And I think we're counting a win against Louisiana next weekend, maybe 15 or so going into that game on Friday, black Friday against Florida. Do your shopping early. Yeah, absolutely. So, Good stuff here. Appreciate
0: Mike coming on here earlier on the show, giving us some good stuff from Syracuse's side. VZ, uh, appreciate you on, coming on here and giving us some basketball takes. I don't feel too happy about what he's got with that basketball squad right now, but we'll continue to give you guys coverage on that end. Dustin Lewis, our editor-in-chief at com. As always, you can listen to podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, before you leave, we definitely appreciate it if you just leave a like on the video that would be much appreciated what are you laughing at d lou just you begging for likes it always makes me laugh i would like to get you some viewers to get your silly takes so i need to get viewers to see them so that's the last i can do appreciate everybody coming on here sorry if i sound like i've got everything in my nose just because i absolutely do i could throw up about Two pounds of mucus right now so i don't think anybody wants to see that i need to get off here immediately because it's coming quick everybody have a great weekend enjoy football we will talk to you guys during our instant reaction for another late night one another late night on the saturday probably sunday early morning midnight run there after florida state takes on syracuse and you know babers everybody have a great weekend we'll talk to you guys next saturday i'm losing it bye <laughs>
2: five, same color t-shirt like mama told me hey, not the still word mama 17 five same color t-shirt white. mama told me hey, not the still word mama 17 five same color t-shirt like mama told me hey, not the still word